You're listening to the Elevate Your Brand podcast, where we talk to some of the smartest entrepreneurs and fastest growing brands on the market today. I'm your host, Laurel Mintz, a reformed corporate M&A attorney who founded award-winning LA-based marketing agency, Elevate My Brand. We've elevated some of the world's biggest brands from Facebook, Paw Patrol, and Verizon to innovative startups you haven't even heard of yet. Are you ready to elevate your brand? Keep listening. Welcome back to another episode of Elevate Your Brand. I, of course, am your host, Laurel Mintz, and I am joined today by the Woman Nest team, uh, Michelle Jacobs and Sally Mueller. Ladies, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, Laurel. So this is a really important conversation and one that we try and have as frequently as possible, which is really taking the stigma um, and the dirtiness out off of the conversation around women's health as they age. Obviously, this is a conversation you feel very strongly about. Tell us why Womaness has taken such a strong stance and what you actually stand for. Yeah, I mean, Womaness has taken a stance in this because of our own personal journeys. Both Michelle and I um, have been in, you know, careers where we're building brands for women our whole life, several decades of, of um, different in- you know, experiences. And Womanist came about because of my own um, personal experience going through menopause and Michelle's own personal experience of her friend group as she um, aged into her 40s. Um, Michelle's a little bit younger than I am. And just realizing how many women were going through this transition and really thinking about what they wanted to do next. You know, it's not just a physical change, but it's also a mental change. And it makes you really think about where you want to go um, and what what goals you have um, for your second half of life. So, um, but back to my physical, you know, journey through menopause, um, I found myself at a doctor's appointment, actually at the Mayo Clinic, and um, was having a very interesting conversation about my own menopause symptoms. And the doctor was very gracious and said, oh my gosh, Sally, you know, I see patients all day long with similar issues. And, you know, I had no idea that vaginal dryness or some of the things that I was experiencing were actually related to menopause. I did know I was in menopause, Laurel, but I didn't really realize what I was experiencing was directly Mm. related to menopause. And so she sent me home that night, encouraging me to look at a list of products um, available at, you know, some of the the retailers um, online. And I took a look at the products and I thought, I am never going to use any (laughs) of these products. Why was that? Well, good question. I mean, it was just a combination of things. The names of the product were even difficult to pronounce. The packaging just looked very outdated. And it looked, frankly, like, you know, men had designed the product. Shocker. And I just felt, wow, this has got to be a big opportunity. There's, there have to be so many women like me that want product made with, you know, clean, clean formulations, packaging that felt modern and, you know, beautiful enough to put on your vanity. And um, that was 
you know, I was, it was right <laughs> that, <laughs> that there is a huge market out there because after Michelle and I started to work on this and just kind of do some of the, you know, initial research um, and talking to different women, we realized, you know, there's, there's 50 million women going through menopause. So that's a wow. huge market. Yeah. And this generation is, you know, very discerning. They uh, have grown up in the digital age. Um, you know, they see what brands their millennial, maybe children or millennial counterparts have available to them. And they think, why not for me? Yeah. So there's, there's a level just, of savvy that's there for sure. Exactly. And to your point, yes. the packaging, the product ingredients, all of that historically have been far too antiquated. And right, so right. what made you take the leap from this is my experience and I'm seeing these packaging, this packaging that looks terrible. I'm never going to use this product to, I'm going to start a company in this category. Yeah. I mean, it was really the, the motivation of, wow, there's so many women that are really underserved and mm -hmm. Michelle and I just became even so excited about, you know, just helping, not only helping women, um, with, you know, developing a brand that really believed in education, inspiration, connecting women to other women, but really offering a product solution for menopause. There wasn't anything that we could see in the market that was really offering a breadth of product um, to address the major symptoms and also affordable. You know, we, right. we felt really strongly that we wanted the product to be affordable. So um, we really right away decided to do it. And, um, and then the journey began. And tell us what does womanness mean? Like, what is the definition of that? Why was that the name of the company? I mean, it's, it's kind of implied, but there's a, yeah, I'm doing a, some homework on the term. Question. <laughs> and it was, you're a brand person. So, you know, totally. it's so hard to find a name that, that you love, that you think you're, you're, going to love for years and years to come. And then most importantly, it has to pass the legal test, right? You sure. have to be able to protect that trademark. And so we spent literally a year working on names. Wow. And um, I remember some of the moments when Michelle would call me and say, I'm pulling my hair out because <laughs> nothing would pass legal. Literally mm -hmm. nothing would pass legal. And then at the almost... A two, uh, I would say a month before our first retail meeting, we were really desperate and we ended up actually just starting with a clean slate and thinking about, you know, names that were just kind of concepts that we really liked. And we loved, we landed on womanist and we, we just felt like, wow, it's such, it's almost like a platform, you know, mm. it's a it's a, you know, the state of being a woman. So it has incredible meaning, but there's so many different legs to it. There's a whole vocabulary that we've created around it, you know, using the nest words. Um, <laughs> and there's just so many, you know, so many great words that really describe our woman, like agelessness, sexiness, fierce, fearlessness. I mean, just all of these incredible words that really help pay off womanness. I love that. Obviously, as you said, I'm a branding person. I'm also a legal person. So I understand that side of the, yes. the fence. And um, it's so great that you had both hats on, though, because God forbid, 
for any of the entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs listening in, you come up with a name that you love so much and then you can't pass legal, you've got to start right. from scratch or God forbid you create a brand with a, a name uh, that you love and then you have to go back to scratch. So I think it's an yeah. important lesson for those listening in who are looking to start uh, brand uh, in these categories. Make sure that you do the due diligence on that side as well. But that's the boring stuff. I want to <laughs> talk more about the, the, real, the platform that you have built. You've done such a great job of, like you said, making this more of a conversation, making sure that you are really engaged in a dialogue with your audience around these issues. So can you share with us a bit about your kind of your content marketing approach, your, your social channels, like really the voice of the brand um, and how building an audience and building a community has been so critical to the success of the brand? Um, I mean, I, when we first started the, the, the brand, one of the first things we did was um, do a series of focus groups. And the reason we did that is to understand, you know, just where was everybody, like what did everybody think of Womanist as a brand? What were their big symptoms? So the really the brand started out of these groups with our community. And it was just really interesting to see how much these women, like not only were so excited about what we were doing, but so excited to talk to each other as well. Mm -hmm. And the shocking thing that we learned was how, you know, what Sally's experience, she was not alone. So many women really don't understand menopause, what's happening to their bodies, what's happening. Like they, they really don't know much after they have children, what's going on with, you know, with their bodies and in really a lot of different ways. And a lot of the medical information out there is geared towards men, you know, um, information about heart disease and um, joint health and brain health. So it was just sort of very interesting to understand that there was this lack of information out there. So we really set out the brand to one, be a product company. So we have this, as Sally said, you know, head to toe and everything in between. We like to say from a product standpoint, but education and inspiration are equally as important. Absolutely. And you know, we're hoping that, you know, building that community, whether it's, on, we have a private Facebook group called the After Party, which I encourage people <laughs> to go with that. Um, and really, you know, it's a place where the community could ask each other questions, get advice um, from each other, share information, but also share good stories, bad stories, you know, really, really share what they're feeling. On our social channels, we really see that as a place for inspiration, just to get, again, good ideas, get a laugh during the day, you know, think about nostalgia, like things that are nostalgia to this group of women, um, talk a little bit about product as well. But we really think of that channel also as more of an inspiration. Mm. So, you know, between the education, inspiration and great product, that is really how we're thinking about this brand. Um, and we just think it's so important to constantly be, you know, showing the women that reflect back who we are, you know, not women that seem super idealized in some way, shape or form, but, you know, we wanna see ourselves in this beautiful life that she's living. Yeah. So all of those pieces are really important. Yeah, I think you really, that's, that's the trifecta, the education, inspiration, and the information that you garnered from the research that you did. And research is not always the sexy piece of marketing, right, of building a brand, yeah. but it is so absolutely critical. Um, and really, because of your big brand background, I feel like you built this brand from the ground up to succeed. And we're going to talk about some of the tips and tricks on the entrepreneur side when we come back from this quick break. 
We are thrilled that you've joined us here on the Elevate Your Brand podcast. But did you know we have a ton more useful content on our blog page? Make sure to go to elevatemybrand.com and check out the tips and tricks that we share with you every week on how to elevate your brand via marketing, advertising, branding, messaging, social media, you name it, we've got your back. Thanks for sticking with us. And if you are just tuning in, I am chatting with uh, Michelle Jacobs and Sally Mueller, who are the co-founders of Womanness. Before the break, we talked a little bit about the journey of building the brand and your own personal experience and why you felt so strongly uh, about standing up a brand in this category. Um, I'd love to hear from either of you, what are some of the lessons you've learned along the way? We have, as I said before the break, a lot of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs listening in, uh, in CPG and women's products. Uh, in services kind of across the board. And I know as uh, women who have had the big brand uh, experience as well as built this brand from the sc- from scratch, I'm sure you have some really important tips and tricks um, to share with our audience. So I would love, uh, maybe Sally, you could share with us a couple of your, your tips and then we'll, we'll pass it along to Michelle. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, leverage your network. Mm. We, both Michelle and I, you know, have really invested in building our network beyond, you know, our employers, um, you know, just outside, just making sure that we really touch a lot of different industries and, um, you know, different influential groups of not just women, but uh, obviously men too. And it's just been so helpful as we've gone down this journey to be able to tap those, those um, colleagues of ours in that network. For advice, yeah. for support. Because you never know where that support's going to come from. I mean, it's, exactly. it's incredible. People really do want to help. And then, you know, vice versa, we really believe in giving back to our network as well. So we love to mentor other people and share advice with other founders. So it is a give and take, but it's just so important to feel like, you know, you're not sitting in your cocoon trying to figure this out. You're really leveraging your entire, you know, network. I love that. I am, I'm a networking queen. I totally believe in that. Uh, you never know where the support's going to come from. And especially right now when we are very much in our own little bubbles, um, to be able to have built that community is, is really incredible. Um, Michelle, any tips from you? Any best practices or lessons uh, along the way? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's really important to know where your strengths are and know where your weaknesses are. Um, and then saying that, you know, know when you need to ask somebody for help, you know, whether it's maybe you're really great at branding, but you're not really great at supply chain, you're not going to figure it out in the time frame that you need to. Um, so really knowing, knowing what you're good at and, you know, being okay to ask for help when you need it. Totally. Um, having a startup is I think it's even Sally and I knew what we were getting into, but it was, it's still crazier and harder than I think we even thought. Yeah. Um, and just every day it's another curveball, And so you got, you have to be able to kind of like pivot, know who to call for help, know when you need to ask for help. Um, you know, all those things are really important and do not think you can do this on your own. Totally. I call it square peg round hole syndrome, right? You're like, I can make it fit. I can figure it out. And the truth is, That's is so that true, <laughs> for most of us, you know, the most of the brands we were building, there have been other people that have figured it out before us. So that's always a huge yeah. tip. I feel make sure that you're not just pushing your, you know, butting your head up against a wall for no reason. 
focus on what your strengths are and hire uh, consultants or, uh, you know, internal uh, people to manage the pieces that you're not good at. That was a hard lesson for me, I have to tell you. <laughs> so many lessons, right? Ugh, I mean, I'm, constant. I'm, as you're asking this question, I'm also thinking about, you know, just how nimble you have to be. Totally. This is this is nimble on another scale. <laughs> you know, you have to be nimble in retail and brand building. You know, if you work for a large company, this is beyond being nimble. You have to really be agile every single day. And it doesn't mean that you change your direction, but you have to be okay with just leaving things because they haven't worked and moving in, in a different direction. Yeah. I, I call that one being the business contortionist. <laughs> yes, totally. Uh, I love that. Well, let's talk about the products themselves because obviously that's the foundation of the business. And I know that you are so thrilled to announce you're available at select targets now, which is huge. I mean, that is like the be all end all of retail partners. So tell us about the product line. And then I'd love for you to share how you built that partnership. Because again, I'm sure a lot of the businesses listening in are looking to go down that similar path. Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, we started with focus groups. Um, you know, we knew we, we knew there was a tremendous white space in the menopause space. As Sally mentioned, you know, there wasn't a lot out there, certainly not products that we were interested in, in, but we weren't sure how broad we were going to go into this. And what we learned pretty quickly was that the women we spoke to talked about this, the range of symptoms were so were broad. Mm -hmm. It was skincare and vaginal dryness. It was incontinence and hot flashes and crepey skin on my neck and my legs, you know, like it, it was, it was so broad. So we decided early on, we put a sort of stake in the ground and said, you know, we, we have to represent menopause. And to do that, you have to have a, a broad range of products. Um, we also felt like we were, we wanted to be the brand that women think of when they think of menopause. Yeah. So you really have to, you know, cover it all. Um, so that was where we started. And then, you know, like we said before about looking for the right experts, um, we found, you know, the people we wanted to work with in each one of these spaces. So if it was for um, skincare, we found really, really great formulators who focus on women, you know, in this age group and who knew about ingredients and knew about the right manufacturers to work with. And we worked with those people to develop products that, again, were not just your classic skincare program, but it deals with skin all over your body. It's it deals with what we call menopausal skin, which is skin that has been really dramatically changed from the loss of estrogen that occurs as you go into menopause. Right. So the types of ingredients we use, the textures, the scents, all of that goes into a different type of product line. Um, we, we also knew we needed supplements because we wanted, we knew there was a lot of misconceptions out there on ingredients that actually work that had clinical data behind them. So we found again, formulators and experts in these categories and formulated supplements that we felt really proud about and that we know, um, work, have clinical data, have proven, um, you know, a lot of data that we can say actually reduces hot flashes, actually reduces night sweats, actually helps with your joint pain. So that was really important for us also to make sure like we can stand behind everything we put into these ingredients, in, into these products. Um, and then sexual wellness was huge. I mean, oh, I would say almost like 
90% of the women we talk to have some issues when it comes to sexual wellness, whether it's vaginal dryness, issues with their partner and their own libido, just, you know, it's mental and physical. And so having, you know, lubricants that work, lubricants that are, are good for your skin, um, having a vibrator in the line was really important because a lot of women feel their whole identity starts to change if they can't, you know, be a sexual partner, like be sexual for their partners. Right. Um, so all of that was really important. And again, we partnered with the right people to help guide us to the right manufacturers, the right claims, the right ingredients. Um, and we really felt proud about, um, the, the, the products that we pulled together. And then, um, I'll let Sally talk a little more about well, Target. Before we get into say- Target, we have to talk about the names of the product lines because they are oh, so okay. fun and clever. My favorite, <laughs> I have to say, is the Let's Neck, which that's my issue. Like, I'm so I'm 42. I'm proud, 42. So I'm not quite at the age of menopause yet, but I'm definitely heading in that direction. There's no avoiding it, right? And what I have is that just little bit of creeping on the neck. And that yeah. Let's Neck product is a game changer. I am, I use yeah. it every night. <laughs> Super happy about it. When I first got all the products out, like oh I you know really want to support this brand I'm not quite there yet I don't know if this is going to be useful for me and then of course I tried the products and I was like okay I'm, I'm eating my words now got it but <laughs> the point of the conversation was that the the names of the products are so clever so the let's know right. well I, I will just for it. Uh, Laurel I will add that um even if you're not in menopause yeah. these are really well formulated they are products they really are. are really great for hydration tightening, smoothing, brightening, like all the things you really want out of your skincare line. And so, um, you know, you don't have to be in menopause, but they are like, if you are in menopause, and like I said, you're sort of having this like dramatic loss of estrogen, these are formulated for those, that type of skin and will really, you'll see a lot of benefit. Um, but yes, we have Let's Neck is a favorite. So the cute. Works is um, an all over body cream for crepey skin on your you know, your arms, your legs. We have a supplement called Menopause, because <laughs> obviously that's super important. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a vitamin C serum called Fountain of Glow. Um, we have a really awesome, like, cooling and deodorizing spray called Gone in a Hot Flash, mm-hmm. which, again, it's the play on words, but it's really just like a cooling and deodorizing spray that anybody could use. Um, yeah, we have a lot of fun with the names. I um, just had to, we had to talk them. about it because they're so, so clever and <laughs> so brand aligned. And again, it's the market, marketeer in me. I had to bring those out because they were just so clever. Um, we're going to take another really quick break and then let's get into the target relationship. So stay tuned. Hi guys, me again. I wanted to take a quick break to tell you more about our award-winning marketing agency, Elevate My Brand. We're a full service digital and experiential agency, meaning we do it all. From event management to content creation, branding, web design, and social media. We're a small but scrappy team of both data nerds and quirky creatives, and we're here to make you look good. After this episode, let's chat about how we can elevate your brand and take you to the next level. All right. I am chatting with the co-founders of Womanesque. Before the break, we chatted a bit about the product lines. Uh, and since we're on the topic, go to womanesque.com. W-O-M-A-N-E-S-S dot com forward slash collections and shop today. So speaking of shopping, obviously you have this great partnership with Target. This is the be-all end-all for a lot of consumer brands. Tell us about how that was built. And also tell us like the the the, the honest truth. Like Target is a, a challenging brand. Um, going to big box retail has its own challenges in terms of, uh, you know, product flow and all of that. So I would love to hear the honest take on big box retail. 
Yeah, I, you know, I will speak about big box retail in general because I think there's a lot of similarities across retail. Yeah. I think the most important thing to do is really do your homework up front. Um, you know, before you meet with any merchants at any at any retail organization, it's just so important that you're really believe that you're ready for entering, you know, a big box store. And what does it's that just, mean? Like, let's go into the deep, like, cause you're talking about making sure you have enough product to fulfill if you yeah, get the order, right? Absolutely. I mean, when we, when Michelle and I decided to start pitching retailers, we had everything figured out at that point. We had our, you know, product lineup, we had packaging concept, we had formulations extensions uh, I'm sure mm -hmm. yes and the marketing a very good you know pass at what we thought the marketing ethos was and and the marketing um the marketing plan and i think it's important before you go into any meetings with any you know retailer or merchandising organization that you really have the whole strategy figured out the proof i call it the proof of concept yeah so i think that's um first first advice that I would give. And then what I mean by also being ready is, are you ready to execute? Mm. Um, meaning, do you have, uh, have you, you know, figured out a financial model so you know how much money you have to raise and you really don't have time to raise the money between when you find out you're going into retail and when you have to execute, you almost have to raise the money slightly before so that you have the money and you can hit go. Right. And that's really tricky to balance those, those two different timelines. Totally. Um, and we, we balanced that. It was, it was like a dance, you know, and we were, we had COVID as kind of the overlay over those, over those different time timelines that we were managing. And it was really, really challenging. Yeah. How fun for you. But I would just say, you know, making sure that you're well capitalized, that you have the inventory coming in because, you know, retailers really need to stay. I mean, of course, they need to be in stock for their customers too. Yeah. And so the last thing that you want to happen is you've got this great plan, you've you've secured X number of products and X number of stores, and then you don't have the inventory to ship. Right. And um, there's so many supply chain issues happening for brands right now. So it's better to be probably air on the conservative side versus being a little too aggressive and then you know, God forbid something happens with your supply chain. Yeah. So I think just knowing what it takes to really execute. And then the third thing is put the right people on the business, you know, make sure that you bring in some people that are experts in that retail business, you know, maybe they're former, you know, former um, target executives that have, have moved on and they're available to consult because they or, know they're working you know, at that point. It's so that's such yeah, a smart I think, conversation. You know, yeah. And this goes for any retailer. I'm just using Target as an example, but it's really helpful to have uh, people that have experience working with these retailers. And know, there firsthand. are so many people out there that have had that big box yeah. retail experience. So go find it. Right. The, exactly. the tip would be go find a contractor or consultant that you can work yes. with that helps to help you get in those doors. Um, and then your yeah. other important point that I just want to reiterate is. Um, about making sure you know your financials, the margin, like those big box retailers are going to try and squeeze you every point that they can get because it's about volume for them. So making sure that yep. you're really clear on your margins is super important yep. too. 
Yes, yes, absolutely. Good point. Um, so in the last few minutes that we have, I want to get into a bit more of a personal conversation. We talked about, I mean, this is like the most personal conversation you can have to begin with since we're on this topic, but uh, we're going to do some quick fire QA. So uh, we'll start with Michelle and then we'll head over to Sally. Michelle, what is the one product you could not live without during COVID and you can't say anything from your own line? Okay. Um <laughs> Honestly, the first thing I thought of was like a big bottle of wine. That's what I'm <laughs> totally fair. Totally fair. So Sally, you're seconding that's that. Exactly, that's exactly what I was going to say. I'm so sorry to say that, but um, <laughs> wine was definitely high on my list along with, um, I'm really into making my own cappuccinos. Oh. Um, so I... Nespresso. I love my Nespresso and I've had it for years and I just started using it in the last six months and I am addicted. Yeah. So, I'm a French press um, girl. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, of course there's some beauty products that I love, but I, I do have to kind of go back to coffee and wine being the two things that I can't live without. Well, the next question is usually your vice of choice. Like what, what is your go-to cocktail? But we've already kind of covered that topic with the wine. So we're going to move on from that. What is your favorite word and why? And this could be something that has real meaning to you over time or something that just pops into your head today. That's a tough one. I know. I get all kinds of weird answers on this one. <laughs> patience. Mm. Right now, my favorite word is patience because I, I don't have a lot of patience. <laughs> but this this business, you know, changing the conversation around menopause, breaking a taboo, it requires patience, meaning it takes a while to, to change it. Mm. And everyone involved has to be more, you know, patient. And yeah. it just, it takes, it will pay off in the long run, but it's not a quick, you know, there's not a quick ROI on it. You have to really be patient and, and stick with it. Yeah, which is where the wine comes into play, right? Yes. <laughs> Go ahead, Michelle. I was going to say optimism, and it's you know sort of in a similar vein as as patience. But you you really have to, if, you know, we believe in what we're doing on so many levels. We believe in the product. We believe in the mission. We believe in our customer. But you you know it's hard every day and and it's hard you know there's a lot of challenges along the way and you just have to be really optimistic and find the the silver lining and as much as you possibly can because otherwise it 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 can weigh you down oh absolutely yeah it's this journey you know being an entrepreneur is not for the faint of heart and uh it has days where you feel like you're on top of the world and other days where you just want to crawl into one of those bottles <laughs> yeah. Yeah. totally get that um, and the last minute we have, I want to give the floor to uh, either you, both of you, just final words of wisdom on uh, the entrepreneurial journey, on the story, on the product, or on, you know, this uh, category that we're talking about for our audience. Yeah, I mean, I think it's never too late to start, you know, a new business. You know, I was 55, I think, when I started. So it's... Um, it gets harder maybe as you get older, but you're also wiser and you have a much broader uh, network of supporters too. So in a lot of respects, it is, it is easier. It requires a lot of energy 
And, you know, like, like we said, a lot of days, you know, I am tired and, um, but it's, I just don't, I want to encourage everyone that's listening to not feel like it's, it's too difficult, you know, or I'm too old to do something. I think, you know, now is, now is the time and you're never too old. I love that. Michelle, any final words from you? Yeah, I, I think Sally is right about that because, you know, I feel the same way. And then I we mentioned this already, but I'll say it again, you know, use the people around you because if you think it's too hard or you, you think you can't do it, you know, really be creative and talk to people and get the help you need and get answers to questions. Use LinkedIn is amazing resource to find, you know, that expert that you're looking for. And you'd be surprised about how much people want to help. Yeah. Um, that's always something Sally and I talk about. Like, it's really amazing. We could not have done this without the help of so many friends, colleagues, and strangers in some some cases. I love it. Well, thank you so much for uh, having these challenging conversations, making better products in these categories, and really overall supporting women's health. We, we can't thank you enough, and I'm sure the future me will thank you as well. So ladies, <laughs> thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. Thanks, Laurel. This was a great opportunity. And thanks to everyone who tuned in. Stay tuned for more from Elevate Your Brand coming up next.